0: Welcome to the Emotional Intelligence Podcast, hosted by Nadia Alfertassi, founder of Thrive with EQ. Join us as we explore the world of emotional intelligence and learn how to build stronger, more resilient workplaces through higher levels of emotional intelligence. With two decades of experience in the world's largest security organization, Nadia brings a unique perspective and invaluable insights to the table. Her mission is to help businesses break down silos, build bridges and create a culture of emotional intelligence that fosters well-being of employees, builds strong leadership and ultimately drives business success. By learning how to manage emotions, communicate effectively and foster a positive work environment, you can improve productivity, reduce turnover and build a team that's happy, healthy and motivated. So whether you're looking to enhance your own emotional intelligence or create a culture of emotional intelligence within your organization, you're in the right place. Get ready to thrive with EQ. Welcome to the eighth episode of the EQ Elevator podcast. Today we'll be discussing a challenge submitted by a chief executive officer in the healthcare industry. Now, her challenge is that... Whenever she shares positive feedback with her senior members of the team on challenges that the hospital faces and how they can do more with less resources because the healthcare is under a lot of pressure when it comes resources and also keeping up with the technology challenges and both opportunities and risks that come with that. When it's positive feedback, it's obviously much easier. There is more of a culture where everyone is aligned. However, she also needs to give more negative feedback. And whenever she does, several things happen, as she shares in her challenge. One is that few of her team members shut down, so they tend to have conflict avoidance, perhaps low levels of emotional expression, if we look at it from an emotional intelligence perspective and uh, it's then for her difficult to get through or to measure any performance improvement or even build a strong relationship. Others tend to take it personal and find it offensive and they make sure she knows right away, which causes a low morale environment and culture. And then others don't even acknowledge the feedback she gives And it creates a culture of gossip where she finds out through other staff within the hospital that the person who received negative feedback is throwing around rumors. Now, this impacts staff morale. This impacts the the resiliency culture of the organization because they're already understaffed, facing a lot of pressure. And she uh, is a coach herself. So she is equipped to manage a team from a leadership perspective. But the challenge is that in this current environment, she struggles with how to give negative feedback when there is so much pressure, and especially with her senior members of her team who don't all take it in in the right way. So we're going to use the EQ elevator to look at this. Now, if we go on the first floor. And you look at it from your position. So let's call her Maria. Maria is the healthcare executive who submitted her challenge anonymously. And in her, from from her point of view, so from the first floor, when she looks at this situation, she may feel very hesitant when providing negative feedback in the first place, because it is easier to provide positive feedback, as as especially if you are a coach, then you are invested in people's well-being and making things work. So you try to bring more harmony, more cohesion into the team. And thus, when there are positive emotions are involved. People tend to be less defensive and more perceptive and open to what you have to say. So those vibes are obviously felt between the the parties and it creates a more conducive environment. When we start with negative feedback, then it all a it large part depends on how you provide it, how you deliver it, but it also is dependent on the mood of the other person, the way they perceive your feedback and their map of the world. So you have less control than you may actually think. But at the first floor, first you need to look, use self-regard and understand how does negative feedback make you feel. Do you see there's something wrong? Do you fear that you're going to lose more staff or it's going to create a negative culture that will have an impact on the overall performance of the hospital, which is already under high stress levels? Think about it being, again, brutally frank with yourself or brutally honest. How does this make me feel? How do I view negative feedback? What is my perception of negative feedback? And then tap into emotional self-awareness, which emotions come to mind when I am thinking of delivering negative feedback. Do I already feel anxious beforehand? Do I find it part of the job? It's normal. It's part of growth mindset. And am I comfortable delivering it That. So that is the first floor. When we go at the second floor, if you look at it from their perspective, so there are several team members who take the feedback in different ways. And I recommend, highly recommend to, to look at it from their perspective, especially those that have the highest negative impact on the collaborative leadership and the collaborative relationship that you're having with them or that you're trying to implement. One of the, often the consequences, is that when people hear negative feedback, they may feel confused about their performance and take it personal. Especially if you've been trained highly technical, especially in the, as a physician. Now I am really <laughs> not showcasing my English in the best way. Physician? No, physician. <laughs> doctor, let's say du- doctor. That's it. A safe way, doctor. Then it, it is intellectual practice. I remember I went to the ophthalmologist. I pronounced that well, and he was. I was having an eye exam, and he was highly technological, advanced, using great technology. I found him a bit rude because he was hurting my eyes with the technology, and there was no level of empathy or human connection. And he was asking these questions as I was in an interview while my eye was painful. And obviously, it was a kind man, but he was so caught up in his work. And often this happens as well. Yes, they have nurses and doctors do have empathy, of course, I'm not saying that. What I am saying is that if we are in our rational part of the brain, we tend to uh, rationalize the feedback. So it can cause confusion. Uh, they perhaps shut down and think that they don't necessarily need advice on their personal growth, that they have at that level their own way of working and refuse to change. So one of the things you can look at, Maria, anyone who resonates with Maria, is from their perspective, they may take it personal to them. So how can you give them feedback that is not related to them as a person, but to the function and make it more general? And I know this is not the sometimes the, the, the most direct way, but you want people to lower their defense mechanism and be more open and, and, and receptive. And it can be done during one conversation, but it can also happen over the course of several conversations. And it also depends on the kind of relationship you have. So timing is also important, especially if they just had like a long shift, then perhaps that's not the the, the right time to give negative feedback. And sometimes we are human beings. We don't necessarily think about timing as well, but it is important. Now, if you look at it from the third floor, so observer perspective, neutral party, and look at your own behavior do you struggle to communicate effectively perhaps again if you really value the the collaborative leadership part the people part perhaps you find it difficult to communicate negative feedback in a way that comes across effectively and again This is not my negative feedback to Maria. I don't know Maria personally, it's just assumptions. But it's important to be frank with yourself and look at it from an observer perspective as if you were looking at it in a screen when you get out of the third floor. And uh, notice how your body language, their body language, how does it come across? Do they uh, send you signs that perhaps they are not receptive to your negative feedback? Do you already see that they are switched off in their mind? They're not even present perhaps. So just n- notice all the things you can notice when you look at it from an observer perspective. How do you feel when you look at yourself and how do they feel? This can give you a lot of information to, for later on to improve the situation. Then you can look at it from the, the fourth floor, so more of a systemic view. Perhaps the you know, solution won't be to stop giving negative feedback or feedback that is not perceived as is, is perceived as negative, because this has consequences on the entire organization. I know of a customer who had communication challenges whenever they were giving negative feedback. The employees would leave. of the time. They were struggling with high levels of turnover because their expertise was in high demand. So it was difficult to keep them already. And whenever they felt that they received negative feedback, they felt unappreciated perhaps, all kinds of reasons, and they left. So this could also be... um, when it comes to your, in in, in the healthcare sector, in, at the senior executive level, that there is an underlying fear, uh, Maria, that this will have impact on employee retention, team morale, productivity levels, performance levels, especially when Someone is gossiping and talking to everyone else except for you. So look at it: the potential consequences and spillover effect at a systemic level. In this case, the fifth floor may not be that relevant, except when it comes to attracting and retaining top healthcare senior officials. Right? But I, that's not the, the, your objective here, because you want to build a strong and resilient team. But that would be the floor if you want to look at it from the macro perspective. What are some of the the ways that emotional intelligence can help you? I already in the beginning shared a few. If you look at it from your first perspective and you discover that you have difficulties in giving negative feedback for whatever reason, then emotional intelligence tools can really help you with that. If this is the case, then you need to balance out your self-regard and disassociate the feedback that you're giving with you as a person, right? And you can practice this already in your mind through visualization. You can see yourself giving feedback in a different way or in the way that you're used to, see how you would feel and see how the other person would react, and also anticipate how you would react to that. And that already in- reduces the fear, increases the knowledge, and builds that mental muscle. So this is one. The, the other one, this is part of emotional self-awareness, because if we tend to have high levels of emotional self-awareness, we're very well equipped to labeling and articulating our emotions, and the cause of the uh, emotion. And this is so important to decrease our stress response. Amygdala part of the brain, uh, the region which is mostly not always responsible for anger and fear, is then activated and we need to calm down the alarm system. And when you constructively label and identify your emotions through higher levels of emotional awareness, then your brain is going to stop interpreting or perceiving your situation as dangerous. So uh, self-regard, emotional self-awareness are key. Self-regulation is more of a character strength as well. Once you've applied self-regard and emotional self-awareness, you can then say, okay, how do I see myself with perhaps in a more disassociated way giving negative feedback if I feel too involved with the, with the, people with the person, and that makes me feel uncomfortable. How can I perhaps borrow behavior? It's a very effective technique, is if you feel uncomfortable giving direct negative feedback to your team, think of someone who is skilled at that, that you find that they are skilled, and then imagine yourself doing taking their behavior and doing it and see how that would look like. And then you can try that out because then your emotions won't cloud your judgment And it won't feel as as negative as you would do it from your perspective until you build that, again, emotional muscle. Empathy, one of the most successful influencing or communication skill is communicating outside in, understanding their map of the world. Often when we communicate, it is not necessarily about the issue at hand, but about the perception we have of, of each other. Now, why do I say that? For example, if you're giving negative feedback about their performance, you would like them to fill in their medical reports on a more regular basis. If you tell them you should fill in your me- me- medical report on a more regular basis, they may take that as a become defensive as something is wrong with them. Versus if you communicate it outside in. I understand that you're having a lot uh, on your plate. There is a surge in patient intake, in medical care. You also have a personal you know, life-work-life balance. You understand that these medical reports help us remain compliant with the international regulatory space. What can I do to help you? Do you have any ideas on how we can become more regular with these reports? Involve them in the conversation. We'd like to be part of the solution. And then it's not so much about them, but about the situation, uh, the issue at hand. And often we are unaware, especially when we feel stressed. Even I have this with my son all the time. When I feel stressed, I say this. Is, I speak to him as it's his fault. And then he, 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 has, he still uses his full expression of emotional vocabulary. So it gets intense sometimes. <laughs> but this is important to practice and become aware. Assertiveness. If you are, again, if you Maria or anyone who resonates with Maria, if you feel uncomfortable in avoidance of direct confrontation, especially with people you like or you're involved with, in the sense, professionally involved with, that you have a very good relationship, it can be hard to give negative feedback because you fear that they may start disrespecting you, disliking you, leave or whatever the case is. So finding the balance of assertiveness in expressing your opinion without fear of opposition, but not being passive or aggressive about it. And this comes back to using empathy to communicate from a perspective. I understand your point of view. I understand where you're coming from. This is my point of view. How do we find the common ground? And always going back to the issue at hand. And obviously, interpersonal skills, which I believe Maria is already really good at. See that this is one of her challenges. She does care a lot about her team and the organization. She has a strong relationship with them, which she can leverage. Sometimes, or most of the times, giving negative feedback in the heat of the moment is perhaps not the right timing, and not everyone may agree with this, but if you wait until both of you are even involved in something else, then you're not emotionally charged about it as much as you're as if it's still very fresh in people's mind. So it can be part of weekly team meetings. That is a general topic without pointing any specific fingers. Bring it up. You can bring it out in social gatherings. You can bring it up as an informal conversation. And sometimes... We are not always the best communicators for everything, even if you're the chief executive officer, understanding how can you leverage your relationships to also use the people who work with you as communication ambassadors, having change champions. If if the the medical, which was part of Maria's challenge, the lack of submitting medical reports on time, if that is the issue, now you can appoint change champion and I know a lot of you will think who would volunteer for another responsibility but you always find someone who is very excited about this kind of initiatives gives them responsibility make it also fun and then it's more of an organization-wide initiative that everyone can be part of instead of just pointing fingers so this is how I would advise you or help you reflect on um, using the eq elevator to look at it from different perspectives and then these eq tools of self-regards emotional self-awareness first understand your association with giving feedback very important empathy how is it landing in their map of the world how are you communicating it with healthy levels of assertiveness and how are you using your interpersonal relations to become comfortable in in making it a social kind of responsibility, not one person speaking to the other. I hope this has been helpful and useful for anyone who works in the healthcare industry and can resonate with Maria as chief executive officer or in any other STEM-related field. And I look forward to uh, connecting with you, my audience, again on Thursday. Thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning into the EQ Emotional Intelligence Elevator podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's episode and gained valuable insights into the world of emotional intelligence. To learn more about Thrive with EQ and Nadia's mission to build stronger, more resilient workplaces through higher levels of emotional intelligence, visit our website at thrivewitheq.com. You'll find a plethora of EQ leadership resources, tools, and services to help you and your organization thrive. Thank you again for listening. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a review, and share with your friends and colleagues. As always, keep thriving with EQ.